Episode 146 of the PJ Archive is a phone interview I did with the hilarious Northern Irish comedian Frank Carson. Discovered on the TV talent show Opportunity Knocks, Frank went on to star in series such as The Comedians and Tis Was. But above all, he was one of the top stand-up comedians, and he had a host of memorable catchphrases. Frank died in 2012 at the age of 85. This interview took place a decade earlier, in 2002. It was supposed to be a health interview, but typically Frank couldn't remain serious for long. Having enjoyed a wonderful health up to six months ago, suddenly the wheels come off. You know, I lead a healthy life anyway. I both through golf and show business, you know, touring all over the world. Yeah. I was coming through Euston Station, and uh, I was walking up the steps, and you know, I had two quite heavy bags. I suddenly ran out of breath, and I stopped, and I said, Jesus, Frank, you're getting old. And I'm getting old. I am old. How old are you? I'm 76 this year. Right. But uh, even now today, enjoying, uh, I've forgotten about what's wrong with me. But uh, I went to see my doctor, and he took my blood pressure. Jesus, Frank, your blood pressure's through the roof. I'm going to send you over to the hospital. Well, now, I, we have a wonderful hospital in Blackpool. So uh, I went over to x straight away. And two days later, he, came around, he knocked the door of the house. This Dr. Fix, wonderful young man. And um, he said to me, you have an enlarged heart. I said, well, I've had that all my life. <laughs> as soon as he came to the door and I saw with his large envelope, I said, you're not going to tell me not to buy any CDs. <laughs> So, uh, so he said, no, come on, I want to talk to you. So then he sent me to a specialist, and that was even funnier, because they'd done me an angiogram, which meant sticking something up the inside of your thigh. I mean, it was very funny. There were about four or five in, <laughs> finding out whether my heart was pumping like mad. Uh, it was also a joke session. And he said, don't be laughing, because... <laughs> If you laugh too much, your blood pressure goes up. We'll not know what the hell's wrong with you. So I, I said, all right. So we done the angiogram. The angiogram then revealed that I had a leaking heart valve. And they're filled the bits. They're looking after Frank. And that, that's a quotation. I'm looking after you, which is wonderful. I'm one of those people who's terribly frightened of prostate cancer. Because men are frightened of having a finger up their kyber. Right. <laughs> he stuck his finger up my kyber, you know. Yeah. And I've been there four times. The last time I was there, I said, the last time I came in for a prostate inspection, I could swore you both your hands on my shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, <laughs> men should go more often. For checkups. Uh, well, it's got to be where feminism is taking over. Right. Come on, man. Get to the doctor. What's wrong with dropping your trousers? Let him inspect you. There was a friend of mine the other week, and he went to be inspected. And there was a piece of lettuce sticking out of his ass. And he said to the doctor, is it dangerous? He said, it's just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Sorry, this is a serious interview. This okay, is a... I mean, that's, you can put that in. What's wrong with that? Or oh, the fellow with the, the strawberries going out of his ass. He 
said, can you do something for me? The doctor says, I'll give you some cream for them. Oh, Don't do this to me, please. Oh, I can't cope with this. Oh. Oh, I love your humour, I have to say. I always have. So what? Oh, One of these days I'm going to go. But I look well for 76. Fantastic. Still as funny as ever. I go, I'm very much aware of it, and I'm just testicular cancer. Although my sex life through taking these tablets has gone, oh which is thrilling for me. Yesterday I was at Oscott looking at the most beautiful women in the world, and I said to myself mentally, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Not so long ago, I was asked to do a show for deaf mutes. Right. And I said, how could I tell jokes to deaf mutes? And this fellow said, you tell the jokes, and I'll be doing the hand signals to tell them what the joke is. So after I'd finished, I got a standing ovation. And I said to him, I'd done marvellous, didn't I? He said, no, you died on your ass. I was using my own material. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, listen, I need to go back to your youth. How healthy were you as a child growing up in Ireland? Well, I was very healthy. In those days, little did we know that my mother was saying to me, Look at the man I made of you. Little did we know they were killing you with fucking loads of potatoes and butter. Fitting you full of fucking carbohydrates. You were you were a walking time bomb. <laughs> a walking fucking food bomb. You know. Is that basically the diet you had when you were kids? Well, we used to love when I'd come home I'd run home from school and my father would have had a whole loaf between me and my brother toasted with loads of margarine on it. And those days if anyone saw you buying margarine, it was, good God, it meant you were very poor. Well, we were very poor. Right. And all our clothes, we got our clothes from the Army and Navy stores. And it wasn't funny going to school dressed as a Japanese admiral. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> he wrote his bollocks off here. <laughs> and then I used to run from school at 12 o'clock right. when we'd get out of school I would run from my school to where I lived in Corporation Street Right. and I used to get to Corporation Street where there was a clock on the corner of a big wood place called Irvin and Sellers and I would get there for 5 past 12 and that was well over a mile and there used to be between two curbs a jump of 9 foot and that was at the climax of my run. I would jump that nine foot. Go back to your school. How much sport did you do and how good were you and how, how interested were you in keeping fit in those days? I never thought about keeping fit. All I thought about was just running. Did you do I a lot very, of athletics then? Well, I was interested in throwing the hammer. Seriously? Yes. Well, I was, I was uh, going back, I was, uh, I was in the parachute regiment. I spent over three years in the parachute in the Middle East, right. where all the trouble is at the moment. And it was all the trouble was there then. How aware were your family of health issues when you were growing up? We never had any problems. The only thing was, I remember, my mother being badly burnt when I was about four-year-old. Really? By, yes. She was putting her stockings on at the fire, and her nightdress caught fire, and she finished up in hospital. Cool. I never forget that. Right. Very vividly, actually. At right. four-year-old. And that's true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. God. And uh, Then I had a sister who died of uh, meningitis. 
at four year old. My sister was named after my mother, Josephine, Josephine Carson. My mother died at 90 year old. She died at 90, about five years ago. Right. And smoked every day of her life. Right. And how old were you when your sister Josephine died? I was about six year old. You remember that as well, the coffin being carried out the door, a white coffin. And how did that affect you and your family? I never, ever forgot it, actually, but I've never, ever forgotten either. A brother of mine, I fought with him two days before he left to go to America. He was a merchant seaman at 16-year-old. He was two years older than me. And sometimes I lie in bed at night. Even now, I'm a bit emotive about it. He was December the 2nd, 1940. He was torpedoed 60 miles off Port Royce in Northern Ireland. But none of them would have survived. Even if he had been blown to bits, he would still have died in a minute with hypothermia hitting the water. So it was a mercy to land, possibly. His name is in the Roll of Honour in London of the merchant seamen who lost their lives. The last time I went there was with Lord Fitt, who was a very lucky man. He took, he took the flu and couldn't join a ship that was leaving the following day, or he would have been one of the statistics as well. Yeah, and what was your brother's first name? John. And Johnny. How, how he was many... named after my father. How many siblings do you have? Or... Uh, at that time, I had uh, a brother, uh, a brother Pat, a brother John, a brother Jim, or Seamus, actually. Right. He lives in Scarborough. My brother Pat's in Canada. He's one of the world's authorities on uh, the environment. He writes books on it. Right. My sister Gertie, so... she died 54. She had a nervous problem all her life, and she died of a heart attack at 50 odds. What became of your dad? Uh, my father died at uh, 86. All the family were long livers, by the way. You know, my mother was a Dublin woman. All my relatives are now living in Dublin and Belfast. My uncles all died in their 90s. My mother had glaucoma, and she lost an eye at around about 60 year old. And she had a great sense of humor. I went into waking her one morning. I said, hey, Josie, I'm taking you to lunch. Just what are you waking me for? I was having 20 winks. Fucking not 40, 20, one eye. Hmm. <laughs> Fucking brilliant, didn't it? <laughs> you yourself, you say you've had very good health up until... Oh, wonderful. Until recently. Well, I mean, I, I, was, I spent... In order to get into the parachute regiment, as you know, the training is incredible. I've done 29 jumps in the Paris. And I'm fearless. Nothing frightens me. Never. Even in Palestine, when we were being shot at, I was never nervous. Were you actually shot? No, 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 fucking lucky I wasn't. And um, have you ever had any health scares up until recently? No, I'm not even worried now. I'm just, I've had a wonderful life. I've made millions laugh over the years. I'm hoping to perform in this year's Command Performance, Royal Performance, which will probably be a lovely swan song for the ageing comedian. I can't retire, can I? No, I'm not saying that, but don't. have you at any point in your life prior to this heart problem um, had any problems at all with your health throughout your life? Yes, I had. I think I've got a circulation problem. I've had two operations for varicose veins. One was when I was about 40 odds, and the other one when I was about 50. And did the doctors explain why that was, why you suffered from varicose veins? Well, the whole thing today is the first thing when you walk into a doctor, the first thing he says, A, you're overweight, and two, do you smoke? Well, I did smoke. Jesus, I smoked. 60 to 80 a day. 80 a day? 
absolutely adored them. From what ages? Uh, well, I started to smoke at 12. I gave them up at 15. Then I started to smoke in the Paris for a year and gave them up, became a health fanatic. Was one Middle East champion, hammer, discus and shot. Boxed and played hockey as well for the 6th Airborne Division. So I was a fitness fanatic. Then, of course, I went back to the plastering when I returned to Belfast. That was 1949. What year were you born? 1926, a day after Guy Fawkes Day. And um, when you went back to plastering, you went back to smoking cigarettes again? I would say, yes, I smoked for a couple of years. Uh, Longer, when I went in. I became a full-time show business at at, uh, 27-year-old. But then I'd started off as a boy at nine-year-old in show business. And a little minstrel troupe had in Belfast, a club called the Belfast Newsboys Club. And it was a club which was 50-50. 50 Roman Catholics, 50 Protestants. And I was frightened always, uh, as a young boy, of walking up York Street, because it was a Protestant area. And suddenly I realised that these young people who lived in the York Street area were my friends. And I was never ever frightened again. Back in fact, we became lifelong pals, all of us. At what age did you smoke about 80 a day? I would say around about 50-year-old. No, long, no, wait a minute before that. Because when I went to the doctor, he asked me, did I smoke? Was I a heavy smoker? Did I smoke seven or eight cigarettes a day? I said, sometimes ten. Right. I was frightened to tell him. Right. I had three cigarettes in a packet. I crushed them up, threw them in a bin... And never smoked again. At what age was that? That was about 44, 45. And was that because you were frightened as to what it would do to you? Did the doctor say? Well, surgeon frightened me by saying, those are the worst legs I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to try and save your right leg. But he said, I know your type of humour. You'd probably get laughs out of it. And he meant that. And you know, the night before the operator, I cried all night at the thought of losing a leg. Um, after the operation, I started to cry again because I couldn't feel my leg. And then suddenly I realised at both legs, and that was the cigarettes. And I would say now, uh, even my wife, who was a heavy smoker, that was her downfall. I would say that also caused the degeneration of her sight. Can you explain what smoking has got to do with varicose veins? Yes, indeed. Smoking has got to do with everything. Smoking, first of all, when you give up smoking, inside of 24 hours, your breathing improves by 50%. So that means the intake of, of breath, the swelling your lungs, and having your body, the, the all parts of your body to move as they should move. But by smoking, you know bloody well, not only restricting, all right, so you do get fat. Who gives a shit of your fat as long as you're healthy? Right. You're not healthy when you smoke. And I know a lot of people will probably say, oh dear, he's one of the ones who's cured. My answer to that is, thank God. Right. Frank Carson, use it 10 <laughs> in London. Back to you in the studio. <laughs> when you had your little heart problem recently, did the doctor say to you, are you smoking? And or, Oh, straight away. Or this is the effect of your smoking years ago? Or no, I don't think it's as much that I think, to be quite honest. What I, what I loved was, uh, as you know, I'm a talker anyway. The lovely quotation by my late great friend Spike Milligan was, what's the difference between Frank Carson and the M1? You can turn off the M1.
<laughs> and Spike, would, he, he, would, he would say to me, Jesus, you don't have smoke. You know, and I'd sit there, it stops me from talking. Uh. That was one of, one of the reasons I get... Well, I destroyed my teeth Did it? for a start. So in Dublin, I went to a very eminent specialist in orthodontry, an orthodontic surgeon. And I've had these titanium implants. And they are very expensive. They cost me 13,000 pounds. Blimey. Yep. I sleep in my head in the safe. <laughs> Have they proved to be successful? Oh, if I thought there was a difference between having a car and having my teeth done, the answer knowing now, have your teeth done. Really? That also is a very important factor in life. If you've got rotten teeth, you're bound to be eating food which is going to be rotten the whole way in. Now, it sounds like I'm a, a freak on this. I'm really not. It's just because I have a chance to talk to somebody on health matters, and I love it. Sure. But what age were you when you had your teeth done? That was eight to ten years ago. Okay. They're absolutely marvellous. I could chew barbed wire. <laughs> and was it very painful having those implants? I none, wa none whatsoever. The two eminent men who done it are two of the greatest in the world in Dublin. Yeah. Now, I know that dental care in Dublin is very expensive, but if you've got money to spare, you visit your dentist regularly. And another way to stop smoking is think of your teeth. Yeah. But you said that um, smoking ruined your teeth. What else? Oh, absolutely. Did... But I mean, you, you explained how incredibly fit you were when you were in the paratroopers. So, how did it affect your health otherwise, apart from your teeth? Did it leave you breathless and everything oh, all the time? Oh, well, absolutely. On, when I stopped smoking in the paras after a year, you see, you became the training was so intensive, which it is now. I, I mean, when I look at what the training they do now, I wonder uh, if I was eighteen year old again. <laughs> Would I get into the Paris? Because the training is so tough these days. Yeah. Uh, but when I think of it, maybe, maybe, I was, maybe I was tough in those days as well. You know, now I'm just a big fool. Getting laughs. Loving every minute of the adulation I get. Standing on stage knowing the next big roar. Of like a, a blast from a, a, what do you call it? Like a welder's torch or something. Something like that. That's one of the great joys of life. To, to go through life, I don't even I don't even need to tell jokes. I just walk into a room. Now I'm not famous. You must remember that. It's just that everybody knows me, and that's a different thing. I can walk along the street and people say, "Hey Frank," I say, "How are you?" And I, I never pass anyone. <laughs> that is one of the one of the one of the things of being not famous but known. And you know, and they'd say, "Hello there, Frank." It's the way you tell them, say, "Get your own jokes," <laughs> you know, or. You're a cracker. And I'd say, I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> but you're two of the best-known catchphrases yeah. probably in, in the United... Well, the part and parcel now of the English language, aren't they? I should say so, yeah. No, excellent. Hope yeah. you're paying for this fucking call. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, listen, you explain how um, when you give up smoking, people often put on weight. What happened with your weight? What weight were you before? And what yeah, weight did you... Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It's not, it's not that you put on weight. The whole point about that... Oh, I, I'll, I'll get... Fat. Not getting fat is, is, is the answer to giving up smoking. The point is, everything about you improves. Your breathing improves, your smell improves, your body improves. Uh, all right, your eating improves. You begin to taste food. Give up salt. Taste the food. Mm -hmm. Give up salt. You don't need salt. There's enough salt in food anyway, for Christ's sake. 
you explained how you um, screwed up a few cigarettes in a packet and threw them in the bin. You never Just, smoked again. But no, how difficult not was it? Not only that, not only did I not smoke again, the very fact <laughs> that I'd, I'd saved a leg. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the fear of having one leg? You know, if I'd have lost a leg, I'd have been hopping mad. <laughs> Frank, how tall are you and how much do you weigh and how overweight are you? Well, I, at, at the peak, I was five, five foot ten and a half. Right. I'm now five foot nine and a half. I've lost an inch, just as we all do. When you get older. I, when you get older, you lose, you lose height. Right. And um, I went in those days. At, at my peak, I was 12 stone, fit as a fiddle. I'm now, oh, jeez, I'm frightened to tell you. I'm about 15, 10 at the moment. I will get that weight down in the next, in the next eight weeks. I'll, I'll take another stone off easily. Right. There's no doubt about it. Weight is a killer. And you know the old story. All right, so you're two stone overweight. Imagine carrying a stone bag in each hand for the rest of the day, you know, yeah. although you don't think of it like that. But that's what the body's carrying. How have you come to be a little bit overweight, do you think? Is that well, from bad eating? No, not at all. It was a great drinking. If there was an Olympic Games for drinking, I'd represent Ireland. You're not an alcoholic, though, are you? Not, no, but I used to love drinking four or five pints and then I would realise I was getting fat, so I'd go off it for a week, and I'd say, "Oh, what the hell!" So I'd have a. But now um, uh, I don't drink alcohol. Well, when I say that, uh, last night after the show, the manager of the show came around and asked us to have a drink, and I said, "Well, I have a glass of red wine," hmm. and that that is all I drink. I might have an odd glass now every week, but. But they say red wine's good for your heart, and it sounds so they like. So say, well, that's the reason I drink it, you know. But um, the days are gone now when I used to drink seven and eight pints of gross, hmm. which would put you through the roof. Nice. Maybe a lot of whiskeys, gin and tonics, which I drink, I drank too quick anyway. And not only that, you see, to those people out there who do drink, hmm. I would say this. There are people who can drink every day of their lives and not be an alcoholic. Hmm. Now, I've done an Alcoholics Anonymous function in Glasgow, and their quotation is, one drinks too many, and 20 is not enough. So I would say to anyone out there, not only that, some people become very aggressive in drink. Yeah. If you're like that, that's a pity. My advice to you is, don't give it up. Not only will it wreck your life, but we all know it's the cause of wrecking many other lives. Hmm. Stop it. And did the doctors, when they checked your heart a few weeks back, tell you that you need to improve your diet and cut down on drinking and everything? Well, they, they said to me that, that one of the, the causes of my heart problem, whether, whether he meant it or not, uh, well, maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't, was uh, to give up drinking. It could be drink-related, the heart problems. Mm-hmm. Well, alcohol and nicotine together must be one of the biggest killers in the world. But you so gave I, up smoking a long time ago and you... So I've given up drinking as well. Mm. And so, I feel better. I'm working better. Mm-hmm. The timing is better. I'm looking better. I feel better. I'm walking more. I love golf as well, of course. What sort of uh, diet do you have, Frank? I don't have a diet. I'd be terribly honest with you. I just say, right, Frank, <coughs> you know the killer with me? I have a sweet tooth. Right. I love Mars bars. I'd love to eat 40 Mars bars a day or Snickers or bars of chocolate or big lumps of cake. And Although I, I have a strong suspicion my wife is trying to get rid of me. There is a bakery near where I live. And they do the most beautiful apple pies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my wife, 
My wife gives, gives me one after dinner every evening <laughs> and tells me it'll do you good. <laughs> and I, she keeps asking me where the insurance policies are. Have they been dusted? <laughs> but, I mean, tell me about your... What do you eat on an average day? In the morning, what I'd have, I have an orange every morning, definitely. That's right. The first thing is an orange. Why? And then, then I, I don't know because <clears throat> I, I was always told, you know, when I was in the Paris, I used to eat half a dozen oranges a day. I loved them. There's no doubt about it. But fruit is also, while it's non-fapping, it's also filling. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of sugar in that as well, which yeah. keeps you going. The whole thing about the Carson family, this is including all my grandchildren, my three, my two sons and a daughter, and my what, eight grandchildren. Not one of them, not one of my children and grandchildren take a spoonful of sugar in tea or coffee. Right. Not one of them. We could buy a pound of sugar on the 1st of January, 1949. Of all my grandchildren were born then, and in 2064, that pound of sugar will still be sitting there. How much cakes and biscuits do you eat per day, average? Oh, shit, you shouldn't ask me that. That's dreadful. Uh, on the show at the moment, every evening... Every evening you eat what? The, the company, company manager brings in fucking tin of biscuits. And every time I walk past, I say, no. And I have a great mind. I can walk past that tin of biscuits and say, no, I'm not going to eat them. But then I eat them on the way back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you find you need um, an energy boost during the day to keep you going? No. I'm carrying enough weight and fat now. And I get fact, if I were doing things right... I would do what Sir Cliff Richards does. Which That's is? one day a week without any food whatsoever <clears throat> and just drink buckets of water. Right. Loads and loads of fresh water. There should always be at least a half a gallon of fresh water. And you don't need to buy water. All you've got to do is boil it up and that'll kill any bacteria and stick it in your fridge. Every morning though at home, I have porridge and an orange. At lunchtime, a very light lunch. In the evening, uh, when I go home now, I'm going to go off meat. You're going to go off meat? Yes. Well, off red meat, presumably. Yes, red meat. It brings me back to Spike Milligan again. What did he say? He, he couldn't eat anything that has a face. Dreadful quote, that, but probably true. And why are you going off it? Because you know it's going to be more healthy for you to avoid red meat. Well, I like chicken. And you know the old saying, chicken is very good for the figure. You never see a rooster wearing corsets. <laughs> <laughs> do, you t do you eat any fried food at all, anything naughty now, or you just... Yes, yeah. well, I, I, I do because <clears throat> uh, I'm restricted at not being home. I'm on a 25-day tour over 40 days. Yeah. So it means I'm away. Uh, but um, I do like curried food. The one thing about curry is, curry is the only thing you can make in a pot that washes out with cold water. You didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't know. You learn every day. Right. Did you know the top line of a typewriter can spell typewriter? No. You never thought of that no, either? No, I didn't know that, no. No. Have you ever heard of a place called Godalming? Yes, I know Godalming. First electric light in Great Britain, switch on. I That's the very first place. Really? Where, yeah. Thanks, oh, Frank. Well, th yeah, thanks a lot for this. Yeah, you learn every day. A I load do. of shit. No, I do appreciate it. Thank you. A load of crap. No, 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 no. I'm with ah. you, Frank. But, I mean, are you basically getting more healthy as you get older, do you feel? Oh, Especially I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what. I'm going to be very healthy now in the next lot of years if I'm living in spirit. I don't think about dying because... And I won't die anyway this year because I'm fully burnt. <laughs>
How, how far ahead are you booked and how much of a stress is that? Uh, no, suffer no stress at all. Well, when I say, you say, see a lot of people out there will say, I don't suffer any stress. Let me tell you a story of a man who 11 years ago wakened up one morning to find his car was broken into. And he opened the door and the radio was stolen. Right? Now he's still in the same house. And the first thing he does every morning, he opens the curtains to look out to see if the car is not broken into. Now that is stress. And while you might think, no, I don't suffer stress, believe me, everybody suffers stress. Sure, sure. Yeah. And just tell me, how scared were you when you had this breathless problem at Euston uh, Station and then had to go for this angiogram? How, I mean, were you, you say you're fearless, but you must have found that quite fearful. Uh, I suppose if I were honest with you, not at that particular time, but since I've become very aware of looking <coughs> at pints of Stella, tins of Stella, oh boy, pint of lager, just whip it down, or three quarters of it in one gulp, mm. said it yesterday at Ascot, you know, and then say, no, I'll, I'll have one glass of ice-cold champagne finished. That was it, finished. Ne- never, you're frank, you're 76 this year. Do you mm. want to live to 86? Because your mother did. All, my uncles in Dublin, Uncle Christie, Uncle Frank, Uncle Jack, all into their 90s. And Aunt Mary, who lived to nearly 100, that's our family gene. I could live to that. I mean, audiences may not like it, <laughs> but who gives a shit? <laughs> do you take good holidays every year? Do you relax? How do you relax? Well, I go, I go away every year for 10 days with my sons, and we play golf somewhere in the world. Uh, I find that now, of course, when I go this time, there'll be no liquor at all. It'll just be golf right. all the time. And I play golf every day when I get home now. I'm a life honorary member of St. Anzo Links. In Lytham, was it? In Lytham, yeah. yeah. So I play there every day mm-hmm. when I'm during the summer season. So you don't find your job remotely stressful? You're so, so relaxed with it now and you're so comfortable? Oh, I love it every minute. I know mm. when I walk out there... It's been nearly 50 years, 49 years of the game. Mm. I'm hoping to take the show to Dublin, this mm. comedy show we have at the moment. It's two and a half hours of non-stop laughter. And the whole point about, you know what um, Abraham <coughs> Lincoln said? Go on. A day without <coughs> a laugh in your life is a day in your life lost. Oh, that's good. And um, remember the quotation of John F. Kennedy. Ask that what can my country do for me? What can I do for my country? Mm-hmm. They were not the words of John F. Kennedy. Those are the words spoken in 1938 by Adolf Hitler. Oh, right. Brandenburg gift. Right. You didn't know that? No, I do now, uh, thanks. You, I've noticed you, you've worn glasses for all the, your career I've, I've not seen. Not really, no. Really? I, I didn't know my sight was so bad until I went one day and the fellow said to me, if I were you, I'd get glasses. It's cheaper than keeping an Alsatian. How long ago did you start wearing glasses? Uh, I would say probably 35 years ago. And what's your sight like without them? You won't believe this. My sight has improved enormously. I can now read a newspaper with just my glasses on instead of putting my reading glasses on. Right. And that is because what I do is, if I don't want to be recognised <coughs> in the street, I take my glasses off and I open my eyes as wide as possible. And I read that somewhere. And it turned out to be true of a man who'd done that. 
and he exercised his eyes. We don't exercise our eyes. I know this little bit, oh, there's Frank acting the fool again. But that's a true story. You can exercise yourself. And he went back to 60-60 vision. Apart from your golf, what other exercise do you do? Eat. <laughs> you don't do any other kind of sport? Yes, or... I love crossword puzzles. Right. And this is good for the mind as well. Yes, you see, true. that's what happens. I think a lot of people who have Alzheimer's and they go into old people's homes and suddenly just sit there all day doing nothing. Mm -hmm. That is wrong. That is wrong. Get up and get out. Think. Read a book. How often do you play golf and how good are you now? Uh, I play a handicap of 16. I'm writing a book on golf at the moment called How to Line Up Your Fourth Putt. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't played in the last couple of weeks. But I have another big match coming off, a big charity match, because I'm involved in four charities <coughs> at the moment. Right. One is the Multiple Cirrhosis of Ireland, of which I'm president. The Entertainment Artist Benevolent Fund. St. Clair's Hospice in Tyne and Weir. The City of Derry Hospice. I also contribute to a lot of other charities, but they're too numerous to mention. Okay. That's one of my great joys in life. One of the great joys in life is giving. And the old quotation in the Bible, it's better to give than to receive, yeah. is so true. Especially if you are a giver. Try giving. Do you want to live to a ripe old age, Frank? Well, if I get the, the time to get the Queen's telegram, I can maybe sell it. <laughs> get her autograph. But do you want to live to 90, 100, 110? If I feel as mentally fit as I am today, by all means. Right. Which I will be, because I'm always entertaining, really, on stage. I've got a professional outlook. I'm known in show business now as a legend, because of my the speed at which I can impart ad-libs and jokes. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, that, you know. How do you want people to remember you after you've gone? Yes, I often wonder, should I give a prize for a, a headstone? Like, when it says, rest in peace, and then underneath that, and so say all of us. Or, thank heavens. Or, anyone looking at the headstone. Uh, you know, what are you looking at? <laughs> but seriously, how, how do you want people to remember you after you've gone? Uh, as the man who brought out all-time great quotes, I'll never ever be forgotten. Because that will live now for all time. It's a cracker. That's the way I tell them. And that's why I want people to remember me the way I told them. Thank you very much indeed, Frank. I really appreciate it. It's been yeah, great fun. I think so.